0: So, at Nicolette Blount, Chica Um, Hello, my name is Nicolette Blount and I am Chickasaw.
1: Welcome to the Confidently Creative Podcast with me, your host, Jason Ward. My guest on this episode is an incredible woman called Nicolette Blount, who's just finished writing uh, Savage, which is a brand new musical. What makes Savage special is it is the first musical that I'm aware of that has been written from the perspective of the indigenous people in the land that we now call the United States of America. Nicolette is a member of the Chickasaw Nation. She tells us all about that. She talks about her creative process. She talks about what she went through to get this show produced and what her plans are for the future of Savage. It's a fascinating episode. Thank you once again for listening. And if you'd like to support my work, please consider taking out a free or paid subscription. Enjoy the episode.
0: I am the composer, lyricist, and co-writer for Savage the Musical, a musical about my great-grandmother, Wanda Savage. And in a nutshell, um, Wanda was a vaudeville performer in the 1920s and a silent film actress. And the show deals with um, her rise and fall from fame, um battling misogyny racism abuse whitewashing and ultimately having to give up her son in the process uh, because women didn't have many choices back in the 20s especially if you were native and um while vaudeville exploited her hollywood tried to erase her and she ended up in a brothel and tried to after all of that and tried to start her life
1: over wow there's a lot to fit in one show.
0: It is. It's a lot. I mean, at some point it might end up having to be a movie script. But, yeah, we've had to cut a lot and edit a lot and still doing. I mean, I think we're now on our eighth rewrite. Oh. I have three songs that I'm trying to write at the moment. Um, and we've cut some things. And, you know, it's a process. A long process. <laughs>
1: It is, and I was going to talk about that as well, because I, I wanted to know, first of all, like, what got you started on this? Because it was, what was it, 2017 that you began this? And was it just like a, do you have a blank sheet of paper and say, hey, I want to write a show? Or was there something that inspired you, like a bolt from the blue? Probably
0: a little bit of both. Um, yeah, it was probably, I I mean, a um, cousin of mine had written, well, I grew up with these stories of my great-grandmother, Wanda, And my cousin had written a, and filmed a documentary about her. And I remember watching that going, wow, this really needs to be a movie. And then I thought, wow, I, you know, I don't think I, I could write a movie. Um, But then I thought, but actually this could be a great musical. And at that point I was a songwriter. I was a performer. I've been writing my whole life, like in terms of like books, nothing I ever published, um, and i thought well i sh- i should write a musical of this show and i i did <laughs> i with the <heard laughs> help of some friends i yeah i i think my favorite quote is where there's fear there's no creativity and i have right. held on to that quote ever since i heard it um probably in my 20s um and i've just always gone with my gut on things and like in this situation wanting to write this show I just thought you know what I'm just gonna go for it and see what happens I'd never written a musical before but
1: here we are (laughs) when you thought of it being a musical what what were your musical theater inspirations
0: well so my first ever Broadway show that I ever went to because I grew up in California um and then um We lived in Savannah, Georgia and Hawaii where my kids were born and then we ended up out here on the East Coast. But the first Broadway show I went to when I was younger um, was Miss Saigon. And I had come over to New York with a singing group that I was in because I've always done theater and music. Um, And so Miss Saigon has always been one of my favorite shows, not the newer one that they've done in the past years, but like the original Lea Salonga one because I saw her in it and that show was just i loved that it was this dramatic show that it was so sad and gut-wrenching and like i just loved the rawness of it and i loved the truth of it um before that uh when i was younger the first show my mom ever took me to she was a professor at a college in california was a co- college version of west side story and she knew that i was very musical and she thought oh i wonder if she'd like to go to this musical my mother was not musical so that was the big thing for her to like offer to take me to this another dramatic show um that is heart-wrenching and i just ate it up i loved it and then um so i would say that those two shows but then as i got older um the biggest influence on me would be rent and I never saw it on Broadway. I saw like, like a touring group in Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, I, I would say for me, rent was the show that I could listen to the music and blast it in my car. And people were like, Oh, is that a new song on the radio? It's like, no, that's a musical. <laughs> um, the, the thing that I love that Jonathan Larson did with rent and I, it's something that I, I, I mean, it's one of my goals with Savage. Um, Is that i feel like back in the day we had standards right and the standards a lot of them came from musical theater you had songs that frank sinatra was singing and and people like that and no and i think a lot of people don't realize today that a lot of those musicals were like in musical i mean a lot of those uh songs were in musicals and so the crossover was happening a lot back then then jonathan larson i feel tried to do that again trying to do more modern music in a musical. And I've always thought as I write my songs, so one of the biggest things people have told me is that the music in Savage doesn't sound like typical musical theater music and they don't say it in a bad way. Um, And I'm fine with that because to me, every song that I write needs to be catchy in my mind at least. And I would love, because right now Broadway, I know West End is different, but Broadway is dying in a lot of ways. I mean, it's way too expensive. There's not enough people coming into the theaters I think that the one of the best ways to get people into the theater is to have music that crosses over. Like Dear Evan Hansen, a lot of the music from that show, you could put on the radio and no one would know it was from a musical. So why aren't we doing that? Because that would be a great way to get new people into the theater like they did back in the day. Um, sure. And so that's like one of my goals with my writing is that I I want to have like crossover things because... There's too many people I've talked to when I they find out I do musical theatre, they're like, oh, like Sound of Music. I'm like, no, not like Sound of Music. That's all they know.
1: You're listening to the Confidently Creative Podcast with me, your host, Jason Ward. My guest today is Nicolette Blount. She is the writer, lyricist and composer of brand new musical Savage. We're going to have a listen to one of the tracks from the show. This is Start Again. And then we'll be right back with Nicolette explaining to us why she thinks arts and culture is important for everyone.
2: inside.
0: Yeah, I think that arts and culture should be for everyone. I think that um, the higher the prices, the the less regular people can go. And I believe that it should be for everyone, because I think that that's the way that you learn about other people. You learn about other cultures. You do that through art and art and culture. You can do that through art. You can do that through music. You can do that through theater, dance. Like there's so many stories, specifically musical theater, That need to be told and should be told and yet all we're doing is regurgitating old shows and doing movie to musicals and honestly i'm getting sick of it (laughs) when there's so many new shows out there that have good content that are interesting and um can help people talk about new things like some of the things that savage deals with like how my grandmother was I don't think you can see it in that picture. That's a picture of her. But um, I have pictures of her where her face is white and her hands are darker than her face. Like they literally and as she went to Hollywood, they made her more blonde. And um, that's something that like seeing a show like this, people can talk about. And maybe they didn't realize that happened at one point and still kind sometimes does still people try and present themselves as more white. Um and it's something that can cause people to talk. Like I was in, for a while, I was I was in fashion design school. I've done a lot of things in the arts. Um, and I remember a teacher telling us to, for inspirations for fashion, they said, go and look at art, even art you don't like, even art that causes you to feel angry or upset. Like that's important because you're getting a true emotion out of that. And I think theater is the same way. And There's so much new theater out there that we're just the producers are not taking a chance on thinking that they won't make money. But if you look at the shows that stay on Broadway a long time, and I don't know if it's the same way in West End, but the ones that stay on Broadway the longest are the shows that are original shows. The ones that are movie to musicals, unless it's Disney, doesn't do very well for the long term.
1: Right. No, no. I think that's a fair point. And, um, uh, like you're looking at a story that I don't think has been told in musical theater. And we'll talk about the whole story of Wanda Savage in a second. So no, I agree with you on arts and culture being uh, important for everyone. Um, Also, I think they help people realize things about themselves. And I wanted to know from you, because you said that you wrote songs before, uh, you wrote books and now you've written a show. When, when did you, when did you realize that you were creative or when did you realize you have a gift for creativity?
0: my, well, my mom and dad said I used to stand, I think there's pictures of me that I would stand in front of the mirror with a hairbrush and sing. And, um, you know, I had like a record player and all those things. Now I'm dating myself. I'm actually 50. So, but I remember like, I would get piano lessons and I hated practicing and I'm not the best pianist. I, I can play chords enough to write music, but please don't ask me to play on a stage because I can sing on a stage, but I can't play and sing. I'll, I'll get all kinds of nervous. Um, But I used to take piano lessons and I would have to practice. And I remember several times and I wish I saved them because when my mom passed away, uh, things got thrown out in her house and stuff, but there were songs in the, um, chair of the piano, the stool of the piano, like, you know, you lift it up and there's a little compartment. And I had songs in there I'd written when I was little, just, I didn't know what I was doing. I just would make up songs instead of practicing. <laughs> and I didn't realize that I was a songwriter. Um, And so I've just always done music. I've always in high school, me and my punk friend, uh we would write zines. And then we um also started writing books and um where everybody died in the end (laughs) you know nothing we ever published just like we'd have our friends read it and uh, yeah i've just as long as i can remember i've been creative and then i started writing like officially songwriting in my 20s
1: essentially you've never really known a time when you haven't been creating
0: no and even with like producing which i've started doing um
1: uh, and you're producing, are you producing off-Broadway shows now?
0: Yes, I was a co-producer on Regina Comet, which was um, a commercial jingle for Regina Comet, which was um, the first off-Broadway show after COVID to open. And then um, I am a co-producer on Joey Contreras's In Pieces, which is fabulous. Another writer who is like a Jonathan Larson, like he writes pop music and he has millions of streams and he's just so talented. Um, So I'm a co-producer on that. I'm an investor on the Museum of Broadway. I'm trying not to overwhelm myself with producing because of my own show. But if there's something that I love as much as my own show or more, then I'm going to get on board. If I find like Joey's songs, I listen to his songs all the time. It's like, if I love something that much, then I need to get on board
1: (laughs) that's interesting isn't it because it sounds to me like it wasn't something you intended to it wasn't a path you intended to follow
0: it was yeah it's just i started doing it in hawaii and i didn't realize i was doing it and then i started doing it um once my kids because my kids are in high school and college now and um you know i was like okay time for me because i had stayed home with them and um put my husband through school too so i was like okay it's my turn um, yeah, and I thought it would be a good path to do since I'm not really, I mean, I perform locally, but you know the older you get, the less your opportunities are, sadly. um so I felt like it would be a good career to do and you know, as I get older.
1: You're listening to the confidently creative podcast with me, Jason Ward. My guest today is Nicolette Blount, the writer of a new musical Savage. Let's listen to another track from the show. This is Take My Shot. I've been watching and I've been seeing that you
3: need someone around. You need assistance, I can be a mister. You can shoot and I'll shake down. I am the smartest, I mentioned that I'm honest? Ask any girl in town. You can be my lady and I can be a dad. Shut this whole thing down You need someone who knows every move Me, boss, you, we're a team that can't lose I'll take my shot The target's moving but my aim is not I'll take my shot
0: Yeah, I think the other inspiration for this as well is that I know that my culture's language is dying. Um, The Chickasaw language is on the uh, UNESCO um, endangered language list. And around the time that I started thinking about writing the show shortly before that, um, they started sending out to within tribal members um, Rosetta Stone to learn our language. We have like I think now it's like forty uh, elders left, all over the age of sixty, who are fluent speakers, and they're they're dying. You know, it seems like every once in a while I'll get a message on my Facebook group that another elder died who was a fluent speaker, um, and I thought that you know when I started thinking about writing the show. I thought this would be a really good ra- way to show the language, to to highlight the language a little bit, um, and maybe preserve it a little bit. I I don't have a lot of a lot of the language in there. It's like I don't know at the right now. It might be like sixty five plus words, but we do it in a way that like you could totally understand. So if I say if one person says Chokma and the other person says hello, you know that they're saying hello. And so, yeah, so then I decided to write the show and I started writing it myself. Um, And I would say the first draft was like, like from point A to, you know, her whole entire life. And like, you just can't do that. That's like so long. That's why I say this should be a movie. It's another thing I'm working on, a movie script. Um, But because she, so I decided to focus on just my grandfather. She had six children. Wait, is that right? One, two, I always forget. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven children. One died. Um, she had seven children and with a lot of different husbands. And I was like, okay, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go like getting sued or whatever. So also I don't want it to be sound of music. So I just focused on my grandfather's relationship with her. And he was her firstborn. So it worked out great that I could do that, I think, in the story. Um, so I started focusing on it. And the first song I wrote was called Never Too Far Away. And I will also say that I started Savage at a point in my life that was a really sad, broken point in my life. Um, so I had had these three deaths very close together. Um And I was just really broken and I hadn't written. So when my dad was battling cancer, I had written a song for him um, called Eagle's Wings. And it was about his battle with cancer and, um, you know, just having hope and all of that. And then when he passed away and they like were carrying his casket down in the church, um, they played that song that I had recorded for him and then when my mom passed away and her casket was going down the song was played again so i hadn't written any songs since that song up until that point i had written a lot of songs but by the time but when i wrote that song for my dad i hadn't written anything for seven years so if you ask most people who write music you know could you go seven years without writing music most of them would be like you know that's crazy because they write all the time but that just shows how just dead I was and broken. And so when I thought about writing this musical, the first song I decided to write is called Never Too Far Away. I hadn't written the scene yet, but I thought, you know, I want, I could visualize the scene. And I thought, you know, Wanda is writing cause she wrote letters to my grandfather. She didn't mail all of them. And so the song was basically her writing a letter to him, him being wherever he was, singing back in a duet from like two separate areas, right? Um, through this letter. And so the chorus says, I'm gone, but I'm never too far away. And in your heart, I'll stay. Just call my name. Have faith for there will be a day when I'll be by your side. We'll be together someday. And I wrote this song and I think I I think I think said that right. I always forget my own lyrics, <laughs> something like that. Um And when I heard it back, because usually the process was when I recorded it, when I wrote it, I would record it. And when I listened to it back, I just started bawling because I was like, oh, my gosh, it's like I wrote myself a song from my parents from the grave. You know, it was just this really lethargic healing moment, which is was huge for me because I hadn't written anything in so long. And then this song that happens to be in the show, also happens to be a healing song for me personally. And then I started realizing as I started writing the book very quickly, I don't want to do this alone. I'm a very social person. And I thought, and I really don't know what I'm doing in terms of writing a script. So I had a friend named Lindel, Lyndall Hart, and he and I did theater together. We had been recently in Beauty and the Beast and um, he was Cogsworth and I was Madame de la Grande Bouche. And so um, we had just done that. And during that, I think I was talking to him a little bit about Savage. And then I kind of approached him because I knew that he had written uh, an adaptation of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein that he had done at the fringe out where you are. And he also performed in it. And he was completely naked with body paint because he was the creature. And I had seen him in that out here. And we joke that like the first few times I ever saw Lindell, he was naked. (laughs) Um, So then we started writing Savage and I also started working with um, an arranger on the music, uh, John Wainalovich and um, Lindell and I, uh, uh, at first we would work in person and then we started realizing through COVID we could do this on zoom. So um, we use final draft and final draft is like, you know, you can use it in real time, even though you're not together. So we do that. Um, we just started writing the show and I kept writing songs. Um, and I would write the songs and I would have chords and verses and lyrics and stuff. And then I would take to John and he would make my piano sound a lot better. Cause you know, he would flesh it out a little bit. Then I just started whatever opportunity that I could find to present any part of the show so like it was really crazy because the first time anything from the show was ever shown other than the fact that i started instagram and i started that on a whim because i'm like oh maybe people want to know how to write a show i don't really know but let me show people how i'm doing it and so um then the first show we ever did for savage was a vaudeville (laughs) crazy a vaudeville how many people do vaudeville shows anymore it was a vaudeville christmas show here locally in massachusetts And we did three songs from the show and we hadn't even fully written the script yet.
1: So how did it feel like that first time seeing somebody else kind of take your, your child by the hand and lead it out on stage? I mean, it
0: was awesome. So my friend, Samantha Myberg, she kind of became my muse for a lot of like Wanda Savage, like that song in particular, because she is part indigenous and she's, she's just a, firecracker so I I thought you know my grandma my great-grandmother was definitely a firecracker so I kind of used her and her voice which she has like this warm tone because I knew that I didn't want the typical I mean maybe I shouldn't say typical because nothing seems to be typical in theater anymore but for a long time it seemed to be very popular to have this nasally really cutting princess type voice in broadway and i honestly got really sick of hearing it because it was overdone and i was like what happened to like the warmer tones and the more bluesy sounds and i tend to because my grandmother not wanda but my other grandmother was a jazz and um big band singer so i grew up hearing all that music so that's like in my makeup basically um and the warmer tones kind of go with that kind of music so she was the muse for a lot of the things I was writing. And so she also performed in that show. And Samantha was working with us for a really long time for everything we did locally, including our New York Musical Festival concert um, in 2019.
1: So you got the first three songs up in the local event. And at that point, you said you hadn't written the entire show.
0: No, we kept working on it. We would get together like every like two days a week. And we would work from like, nine or ten to about one and we would just keep working on the show we had outlines um that we wrote the first draft um we started um kind of working with a producer but um we decided kind of separate it wasn't anything official but through that producer we got our director who we've been working with since 2019 rachel klein um and she's helped a lot in kind of doing some dramaturgy work with us um, and suggesting, you know, we'll think about this and this. So I think that's why we have so many rewrites because we have someone actually speaking into our show. It's not just me and him all the time. Um, So that's been very helpful. And it's interesting too, because I've been, I was doing something in Savage that I didn't realize until we started working with, uh, a few years ago we worked with uh Laura Seamus, who's a Chickasaw playwright uh dramaturgy. We worked with her, and she mentioned to me, "Oh, do you know that in native plays there are um t- two um crescendos basically instead of just one and she says that female playwrights tend to write that well that way as well um and so I would say that savage kind of has that definitely
1: so once when was the first time the play or the show was performed like fully formed from start to finish
0: um so we had planned to do a full developmental production out here in western massachusetts uh right we were in rehearsals right when COVID hit and then i thought oh this is just like a stupid little thing. So I even remember, I have pictures too. I remember gathering the, um, the girls who were the ancestors in the show and we were in a big parking lot in our cars practicing some of the songs was, I thought, you know, this is going to blow over in a week or so that didn't happen. (laughs) So then we fast forward through COVID uh, we ended up doing a full production in 2022. It was a developmental production. We did four shows. We got four standing ovations. We sold a lot of tickets, um, over a thousand tickets, I believe. And and for out here, that's unheard of because it's not like Broadway out here. You know, it's Western Massachusetts. And it was a non-professional theater. It was um, community. A lot of talented people. Uh, two of which are on. Our uh, a lot of the songs that we have streaming. Uh, and um, Samantha's on those songs and another girl named Christina Serbon. Uh, so that was our, wow. first, our first developmental production. And then uh, we got like 11 nominations for Broadway World, Boston Regional, and we're not even in Boston. We should have been in another region, but somehow we got into that region, which is a super harder region to be part of. And we ended up getting all these nominations. And then we got a lot of runner-ups. Uh one of my one of the best, I think, was best new musical, non-professional. Uh, we got first runner-up and we lost by one percent of the vote.
1: <laughs> oh. And you also you went on to do Broadway Shark Tank, which is not a, a concept I'm necessarily familiar with. So how does that work?
0: Yeah, that's really that's that was like it seems like everything in my life has been like going with my gut and going on a whim and just like i said where there is fear there's no creativity so not having fear and just going for it um and so broadway shark tank came up how did that i don't know if i saw it on social media or something but literally like the day before everything had to be in i was like oh we should apply for this i don't know what this is i've never watched shark tank in my life I kind of know what it is. Like real shark tank is like, you have these ideas and you bring them and like people decide whether they want to make them. I still don't even know. I've never seen the show, but I was like, okay, it's a good opportunity. And like any opportunity that you're given or is out there, you should take. And so I did it. And we were one of like five shows, I think chosen. And then you showed up and there was like four producers sitting there and they said you had, Five minutes, I think. Well, anyways, it was enough time to perform two songs and pitch the show. So we kind of split up the time in our minds and we're like, okay, we're going to give ourselves a two minute pitch and then the rest of it will be the music. Like that was, I'm sure they're probably much more organized now, but because it was the first one, if I remember correctly, I want to say I found out one day that they had chosen us and then like we had to be in New York like two or three days later and be ready to show the songs and everything. So I like, I contacted Marissa Rosen, who is in Water for Elephants that's opening on Broadway. And so I was like, please tell me you're available. Please tell me you're available. She's like, sure, I'll do it. And I was like, okay. And then I found out later that she literally ran to that thing after a reading with some huge names in Broadway. Uh, She is such a an amazing person, an amazing talent. And then I also contract contacted um Sandra Marante. Uh, she had been in some table readings with us and read as Wanda. And she is a fabulous singer, warm tone. Um, she also she recently was in the rock, uh, she was in the the Rocket show in New York, not as a dancer, but as a singer. So they both said they'd do it. And we kind of showed up. We didn't know what to expect. It was really scary, and we did it. Wow! It was like two no, it's songs amazing. and then we did our pitch. And then they and then oh. question. oh, this was kind of funny. So two of the producers, well, no, not two of them, three of them were arguing over the name of our show. One of them was like, oh, I don't know if I could, you know, produce a song with this, a show with this name. And then the other two were like, what? That's a great name. What are you talking about? So me and Lindle are just standing there watching them have this discussion. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, number one, it's her name. You know, and and since then we've had, like, table readings with, like, a group of Native actors and none of them have been upset about the name at all.
1: Because I think um, as well as being someone's actual name, I think it describes what happened to her. It was pretty savage.
0: It does. And you have this play on words now, right? Where this name that used to be so bad is now kind of used in a good way, a powerful way. And in the show, we show... So that's not her original name and in the show we show how she took that name when someone tried to use it as a slur to her. Right.
1: She they would have called her a savage. And yeah, in, and they did. As in not cultured. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean I've
0: seen I've seen newsprints of my great-grandmother um that we've researched that called her like a redskin just like no big deal. Like they literally say in print another redskin hits the desk because she accidentally shot someone on stage. Wow.
1: <laughs> it's just wow. A, is, is that story, is that episode in the show?
0: Yes. I don't want to give away to too much, but yes. No, 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 no.
1: <laughs> I
2: learned long ago how to get that head You take what's
3: yours, even if it's hers. That's the way it goes. Shake my ass, it's the
1: currency of men. You're listening to the Confidently Creative Podcast with me, Jason Ward, and my guest, Nicolette Blount, the writer of new musical Savage. The song you can hear playing in the background is from the show. It's called Currency of Men. Uh, it's one of my favorites from the show. And I asked Nicolette how this song came about. Let's see what she has to say.
0: Uh, I'm so proud of that song, too. Like, I'm proud of it lyrically. I'm, I'm so... I'm honored that you noticed that. And I i'm proud of it lyrically and i'm proud of it musically um that was a song that i i think i was just thinking about how like women back in the day and maybe still today um especially in the 20s though women didn't have many choices so I was talking to a friend of mine who was a vocal coach of mine. Her name's Sharia Bissonette. She has done backup vocals for Elton John and like she's got crazy resume. But anyways, she was telling me how, cause her mom was, I believe Filipino and how things were back in the day and how women didn't have many choices. So they would marry up. They would find one guy and marry him and then find another guy who maybe makes more money, marry him and I started thinking about that and I started thinking about how you know people look down on brothel madams back in the day but if you think about it if women weren't allowed to have careers and own their own businesses the brothel madam was the business owner that was like one of the rare times that a woman could be a business owner and she, the woman was a girl boss so I started thinking about all that and I just I don't know that that term came to me I had never heard it before I just thought this is the currency of men and so I wrote that for the secondary character in the show uh named Vivian who is a burlesque dancer and she's kind of Wanda's nemesis Vivian has talent in the burlesque but she also is someone who has slept around and done what she can to get her a foot up in the industry and so you see these two different women, climbing the ladder of fame in two different ways. And I thought, you know, I want to write the song that kind of shows Vivian's character, which is kind of sarcastic and like jaded, right? And I just, I, I usually write songs where, <laughs> this is so crazy, the music and the words come to me at the same time. And then I figure out the chords afterwards. Um, and I can't remember if this came to me usually I write in the shower or I write in my car the two times I'm actually alone and not needing to do things. And, you know, as a mom. And so I remember writing it and thinking about, you know, just where she was coming from and I wanted it to show how she was kind of, you know, very sexual. But then I thought there's gotta be a point in the song where she you see that this is killing her that this is tearing her apart and so that's kind of how i ended the song um and usually how i usually write because i tend to write pop music so usually i write you know verse chorus verse chorus bridge but in that song i'm pretty sure i didn't do it that way i think i kind of ended it with the bridge um so the crescendo was like the end of the song um, and I remember writing it and writing the chords and then taking it to my friend John. And I remember he was like just playing bass. He goes, Okay, sing it. And he just played bass while I was singing it. Um, and then you know, he sat at the piano and and fleshed out my chords a little bit on the piano. And, you know, it's this very kind of bluesy song. And then um he eventually took Christina into the studio and uh recorded recorded the the song
1: when you wrote the song hmm. did you hear it like it is now or did you hear it in a different way?
0: No, I would say how the melody is now is how I heard it um, and the,
1: and the arrangement
0: I knew it was gonna be bluesy. I didn't know the specifics of it but right. John was really good at bringing forth like my ideas and how I kind of envisioned the song. Um, he's also a jazz musician. Uh, And and definitely like Christina's vocals, like, and then even recently when I had Marissa sing it at Broadway Shark Tank, she brought even another element to it because I was like, well, make it your own. And she's like, okay. And so she went up on a note at the end and I was like, that's genius. Like we need to keep that. That's amazing. Um, And I think that each (coughs) time you have someone sing your song, like, you know, I'm sure if you heard my vocals of the song, it's different than Christina's, different than Marissa's. And this is why I think the more you can have people sing your stuff, even if you're not performing the whole show, like, like I had, um, I also had someone sing it at 54 Below. I was part of Women of the Wings Volume 4. They did two songs from Savage. And even that you know, hearing it there. I think the more you can hear your song, the more it gives you ideas on ways that you can maybe tweak it a little bit. And, you know, as we rewrite everything. Um, But that is a song that I've been very proud of. And I have been encouraged to change a few lyrics in there. And I don't want to do it. Like specifically, kiss the rocket. uh, He'll give you his wallet. That's the specific one that has been asked to be changed. And I'm like, nope. Because, because that's what that character would say. Well,
1: I think but Why it, would somebody want little, to change it? I
0: think if, they it, think it's a little crass for the show, and I'm like, this is a really rated R, not rated R, maybe PG-16, 13, 13 show, um, but it, it doesn't bother me that that she says that. I think that's totally apropos for her character.
1: So, just a couple of things more, if just to to, to before we wrap up, I do want to talk about representation because and your show's not about representation although it, it it represents people that are not talked about very much i suppose my question is why do you think there hasn't really been a show that's talked about native americans indigenous people what what's, what i mean it's such a huge part of the history so why is it not there
0: i have a lot of opinions on this so i'll
1: give them to me it's fine
0: hard say that recently I was in a a producer masterclass that I'm in. And one of the assignments was bring a hot topic and we'll talk about it. And so my teacher, who's a Tony award-winning Broadway producer, Jane Dubin, I said, well, do you have any ideas on what kind of hot topic I should do? And she said, yes. She goes, you should do it on DEI and, is, and if it is helping the natives in Broadway. I said, okay. I had no idea that I was gonna find this, <laughs> this uh, report. The, I think it's AAPAC Visibility Report that came out in 2018, 2019. Um, they haven't had one since because of COVID. Um, it talks about the percentages of representation of the different ethnicities on Broadway. And I got sick to my stomach and I have never been a social warrior. And I guess I'm becoming one because I couldn't believe that there's zero percent indigenous native representation with actors, directors, all the different creatives on Broadway. It's Broadway off Broadway. The the native writers, with the percentage was like 1% to 2%, depending on what you were looking at. So basically Larissa Fast Horse and maybe, you know, one other person. And I love what Larissa has done, by the way, I think she's girl boss. Um, but anyways, I was just like, are you kidding me? And then I researched how many native theaters there are in America. And I'm not just talking about like, and I didn't even look at First Nations because First Nations is in Canada and they're also native, right? I was just looking at American and 15, there's about 15 theaters if I remember correctly of native theaters in America. So it's not that natives aren't doing theater. In fact, storytelling is a huge part of our culture. So it's not that they're not doing theater. It's not that we don't have directors and we don't have writers and we don't have designers. And of course we do. A friend of mine um, has done another show called Distant Thunder. And that's another great show. Like, So there are shows out there and there are creatives out there and they're not being represented. So I started this website called artist.com it's a baby baby it's in the baby stages like I have two people on there and I have a whole bunch of emails that I need to go through and put more people on there um but I just started it because I thought I'm going to start a website that lists all these native creators and then I'm gonna once I have a big enough list I'm gonna send it out and I have their picture and what their uh tribe is and what they do and their you know bio and everything and then i'm going to send this website out to casting agents to theaters and to producers so that there's no more excuses
1: you're listening to the confidently creative podcast with me your host jason ward and my guest today nicolette blount if you enjoy the show and you'd like to support it please consider taking out a free or paid subscription you'll find all the details in the show notes thank you let's get back to the show
0: so there's a lot of theaters out there who have these land acknowledgments. And first of all, land acknowledgment doesn't mean anything unless you actually do something with it.
1: What is land acknowledgment?
0: It's like we realize that we're on this tribe's land and they usually have it on their Web page. Sometimes they'll have it in their playbills, but it's usually the Web page. And we acknowledge that we're on this tribe's land and blah, 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 blah. And we acknowledge like the genocide that was done to them and all this, but it's just words and they're not doing anything. And yet like there are theaters that have this land acknowledgement and then they say that they promote new musicals and they work to put new musicals out there and you go to their website to see if you could submit. And they say, nope, sorry, you have to have an agent. Okay. So if you're a native writer um, I mean, a lot of new writers don't have agents, number one. So new. if you're really for promoting new musicals, then you need to get rid of the agents because a lot of new writers don't have agents. You don't have an agent. It's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? You don't have an agent until someone sees your show. And if you're a native writer, it's less likely that you have an agent. It's even probably more or less likely um, because that's just you a lot of native writers are not in new york they're not based in new york so a lot of them won't have agents so you've just you've just like told a whole group of people who you give a land acknowledgement for that we don't want your shows but we work on new musicals and here's our land acknowledgement like so that's a big problem um a land acknowledgement should be given by someone who is indigenous it should be done in a very sincere way it should be also okay this is our land acknowledgement and this is what we are doing to give back whatever that may be um we're in contact with this tribe we give this amount of money to them we 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 highlight native stories like whatever you're gonna do but you can't just give a native acknowledgement it's just it's so like it's just word garbage it, right. it's it's performative right. and there's nothing sincere about it. It's very easy to write a few words on a page. Um, so that's an issue. Well, I think people just aren't looking for native stories. Number one, I think it in relation to all the other ethnicities, the natives are so small. Our, our representation, uh, us as a people, um, is smaller than a lot of the other groups. Uh native people don't um speak out as much, especially the older generation. Um I think in the new generation you're seeing it more, but as a culture um and it's interesting cuz even if I had written a very um specific native story like I don't know. There's a lot of native stories about like the bear and the sun and all these different like nature type things that they put into a story. And then there's an ending, right? And there, but still there's all, even if it was a story like that, there's always a lesson in these stories. Like, so if people think, oh, we're not going to relate to a native story, that's just not true because there's always a lesson in these stories. Um,
1: I I think what I would say is, is it a native story or is it just a story?
0: You know, I'm hoping that with Savage, like the story, t- if you were to look at the story as a whole, it's more of a story about a modern woman in the 1920s. And a lot of women are gonna relate to the story. Um, men too though, because um, we have the son aspect and dealing with the mother-son issue. And then also in the second act she has, as she's hiding her ethnicity, her co-star is hiding his sexuality. So we have that as well. And so I feel like a lot of people will relate to it, but I think that Savage hopefully will be a good crossover in that because I feel like it's, I don't want this to sound bad, but it's not overtly native. Like it's not like, so much Native that you're going to feel like, oh, it's just like, I don't even know how to relate to this. Like, it is a modern woman who happens to be Chickasaw. um, And hopefully maybe that will help people to open up to the idea of Native stories. I I think that, I think though, also the way that Natives tell their stories, like I told you with the the two crescendos of the story is a little bit different um, than what a typical play will look like um and maybe people feel like they won't relate to that i i, I don't know it's really sad because it's kind of like we'll just segregate them to their own theaters and they can do their their work over there in those 15 native theaters in the united states True, sure. well, and that's it's really messed up but then you have On the kind of flip side of that, you have me coming in writing the show and people look at me going, you don't look native. And it's like, why do I have to look? What do you think natives look like? If you go to Oklahoma, everyone in my tribe is like blonde, brown haired. Some look African-American. Some have blue eyes. Some have green eyes. Some have brown eyes. Like we're so mixed nowadays. There's no other ethnicity where you say to them, how much, how much black are you? How much Mexican are you? No, but they say that if you say you're Native American, how much Native are you? Like, like my percentages defines who I am. In our recent rewrite, we put in this thing that our Chickasaw governor, Belana Tubby said, and it's so perfect. He said, what part Chickasaw are you? Your hand, your foot? No, if you're Chickasaw, you're Chickasaw. Just like if you tell someone you're American. It's, it's another sad thing that we deal with. And I've dealt with it a lot within, not my tribe, but within, um, I've gotten a little bit of pushback. I've had to take my picture off my resume when I submit to things because a lot, you know, um, I'm blonde and right now my hair is darker than it usually is, but I've had it really light a lot of my life and I have blue eyes. Well, they're not blue. They're actually gray, but, um you know people look at me and judge me and think i'm less native and it's like i'm registered chickasaw and and the whole registration thing is a whole nother story but you know it it i i think people think that every native is like dark haired dark skin dark eyes there are some that way but there's others who aren't you're in over
1: Thank you for listening to the Confidently Creative Podcast. To wrap up this episode, I asked my guest Nicolette Blount what her hopes were for the future for her new musical, Savage.
0: Oh, I have so many hopes. (laughs) You know, I don't think every show is meant to be a Broadway show. I realise that and I acknowledge that. But this show is meant to be a Broadway show. I think that it has the music has the, the the story i i um one of the producers we've been indirectly working with um he's a great great person uh he's a friend of mine his name's cody lassen um i had sent him a video of the developmental production and it's it's not a good i mean the quality isn't very good or whatever but i had sent it to him and um he said that it. It was, And he wasn't saying this in a bad way. He said that it's a show that he's never seen on Broadway before. Um, So I definitely think that it is a show that has something to say. It's unique. You know, I've been producing it myself. My husband and I uh, investing in it and producing. Um, um, That's not my intention. I don't want to be the lead producer of the show. If I have to, I have to. But I feel like it takes away from what I need to be doing with the show itself. And so I, um, the goal is to find a, a producer who has enough time to take this show on, lead produce it. My heart of hearts tells me I would like a female producer, which I know are rare and far in between. However, I am fine with having a male producer with a female partner as well. Like I feel like there needs to be some female representation. Um, In the producing team because she is a female um and there's a lot of female issues and it is a dramatic show there's a scene where she's being groomed by a director and you see it and like it's just yeah so yeah i think it's good to have a female on the producing team other than myself um and i we have a few things coming up, I'm not supposed to say, because I was literally given an email saying not to say, because I guess they haven't told all the shows who are part of it, but we are semi semifinalist for a very, very big thing that's very well-known, um, a developmental thing. A lot of Broadway shows have coming out come out of that, so crossing my fingers for that, I don't know what will happen with that. Um, we're a finalist for another thing, we keep putting our stuff out there. Um, so the goal is to get it up and running at a regional theater and then take it wherever it needs to go to try and get it to Broadway and develop it further. <laughs> That's the dream.
1: No, and I really so, hope you do it. I really yeah. Hope you do
0: it. I mean, I've even had someone from the West end reach out to me and I'm like, I never thought about having it in the West end because it's like, you know a native american story but i guess if if someone's interested in it out there then i'm willing it's to put slight. it up wherever it, wherever the opportunity knocks and if it's a good opportunity and good fit
1: thank you for listening to the confidently creative podcast with me your host jason ward thank you also to my guest today the amazing nicolette blount writer of the brand new musical savage All the links to the show and references to other subjects which we've talked about will be available in the show notes, so check that out. And also, you can listen to selections from the Savage soundtrack on Apple Music and Spotify. If you enjoyed the show and you'd like to support my work, then please consider taking out a free or paid subscription. I would really appreciate that. In the meantime, once again, thank you for your time. And if you'd like to feature on the Confidently Creative podcast, then just drop me a line. And we'll finish this episode with another song from the soundtrack of Savage. This is Warrior.
3: When the dark seems to surround you, no.